that I just really understood the importance of doula care for our communities and how much was lacking. And it was really alarming to learn just how much misinformation was out there um, for birthing people in general, but particularly for like low-income families of color and Black families. Welcome to Towards a Kinder Public, a podcast dedicated to designing kinder public space that better meets our interconnected needs. I'm Kevin Castle, and along with Annie Chen, we are Kinder Public. We are so fortunate to be able to share this conversation with Baltimore and New York-based multimedia artist Lena Martin-Huey. Lena's work has been shown and commissioned across the United States and internationally, She is a constant contributor to grassroots community work and humanitarian causes, including the African American Policy Forum's Say Her Name campaign, Doctors Without Borders, and Ancient Song Doula Services' Decolonize Birth Conferences, among many other initiatives and organizations. Lena received the Artist Changemaker Award from the Global Fund for Women, She is currently participating in the Museum of Contemporary African Diaspora and Arts and Asian American Arts Alliance 2023 Bandung Residency to foster and uplift allyship between Asian American Pacific Islander and Black communities. In this episode, we will discuss one of Lena's most interesting art and investigative methods, how she deepens her understanding of family geographies, her experience as a pregnant person with medical apartheid, and her work towards reproductive justice for pregnant people who are Black, Indigenous, and people of color. This is the second of three episodes from my conversation with Lena. In addition to being a thought-provoking discussion about her art practice, the information Lena shares is so critically important in building awareness about equity safety, and well-being for all in our communities. Thank you so much for joining us. I wanted to also talk about your work, I Have Never Felt Sorrow Without Reason. I want to bring that up now because you just talked about the things that aren't seen. And in that piece, one of the things that seems to be a very big part of your process in making the work, which I'll let you describe, but uh, is removing information to reveal the things that are unseen in the pictures, the relationships between people, and you're kind of eliminating all the spatial information and some of the information about the figures in the photo to actually reveal them more. So I was wondering if you could talk about how the process of removing information reveals more about the relationships between people. And again, I think it goes back to the stories and the um, information that you collect and archive and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued by just rummaging through photos. (laughs) Like I have (laughs) really grateful 
to have a lot of, you know, material to work with that's just been preserved through family over time. Just our albums is re- are really kind of where I draw the majority of my work, even though they all, each body of work manifests in a very different way. Um, each of them look very different from the next, right? Mm-hmm. But in this work, um, I'm really, yeah, I was just found myself looking at these photos and then I would see someone in the background that was like faded out that, you know, I would wonder about or like maybe I didn't know as much about who they were mm-hmm. and I wanted to know more about them. Or I would notice a certain expression um, that someone would have just in their gesture, even just in the hands, the way they were holding their hands or the way that they're, you know, embracing someone else or distancing themselves from someone else or the way that they're, um, yeah, just kind of enjoying or their leisure time. And so I think just all of those moments, I would all, I always wanted to know more like, well, what's going on there? Who's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like just itching to know. <laughs> and then like throughout that, I kind of began weaving a better understanding, like through weave, like through piecing the images together, like more things would come out in the silence than if I were to ask someone about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I started noticing patterns of Um, And this was very heightened for me because this was in, I began the process at the start of the pandemic as well, which is when we were not able to touch each other, not able to see each other and spend, share space. And so I think that kind of drove me to digging into that even more because of the absence of touch and absence of connection Mm -hmm. that was felt and so um yeah and then I just started thinking about all of the painful things that um have come up in interpersonal relationships um within myself my own self as well as like other family members and you know how, like, at least for me, so often I would idealize certain family members or like, you know, like ideas about who they were because they were all so brilliant to me and so beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. And being a young kid and looking up at, up to them and just being like, wow, these people are, are amazing. They could do no wrong. Like there's, like, there's, there's, it couldn't be a perfect person, a more perfect person. And so like, then I just started noticing that they too have pain. They too have, you know, like they too were parents or moms who had to deal with a lot of the things that I do. And so like, when I started realizing that more and more through the work, then it just became a really important healing tool for me to be able to like unpack some of that. Mm -hmm. and the silences around that and I think some of the pain around the silence because so often in our at least in our Caribbean culture like in Jamaican culture it's like you're just told that you can't talk about certain things or there's certain things that you just have to 
push to the side or you don't bring those things up. We don't talk about money. We don't talk about the struggles that we have. And so things like the painful aspects of life that we don't want to discuss are the things that became more interesting to me. And I was able to get to know those aspects of relatives much more. And that helped me to see them more, more in their fullness Mm -hmm. and humanness, uh, humanity, just to understand that there is this range or like a spectrum of emotion and also space, the space for that spectrum to exist Mm -hmm. instead of it all just kind of being covered up and just like kind of covered up by this like smoke mirror of like happiness, (laughs) just like, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that really, Mm -hmm. that's kind of where the series is like really tapping into that and like tapping into intimacy that we don't often see within black families. And there's often this like hypersexualization of everything. And so like this exploration is really like, tapping into what it means to feel good in your skin and to just enjoy life, but also asks, you know, like, well, yeah, how are we spending our days? And like, you know, like from the mundane to just getting to work every day Mm -hmm. or not, or, you know, when someone's ill, what's happening in that moment, when someone's dealing with an addiction, what's happening in that moment, when um, things come up around like, boundaries like people crossing boundaries and like that happening where you can see something like that in a gesture and in just one moment it's like wow that's that tells that's very telling Mm -hmm. I think just Mm -hmm. considering also like people who are no longer a lot like who passed away and just understanding like how much communication is like coming through that image and like through cropping because I do a lot of cropping Mm -hmm. it's honing in on these these moments that where I'm really looking at like the softness or like the fullness of things and also thinking about transparency and like how reflection and like how things come up and so I play a lot with scale Mm -hmm. and you know I use projection and um, video as well so like this series is collage based but it's like collage in every sense of the word like bringing together all these different mediums and so um, yeah so that is like a way another form of research for me mm-hmm. and it's also connect it's also thinking about our connections to space because we're you know we're from Jamaica but my family like through learning stories from interviewing family members um, I'm learning about how like our family is really concentrated in like these three areas so it's like mainly well although we're all over the world really like the, a lot of my ancestors, like my great grandmother's siblings, they all went to, some of them stayed in Jamaica. The others went to either Panama or Cuba to live. And so like when I hear stories from my mom about traveling to those places and they went there to either build the canals, the Panama um, 
the Panama canals or work in the sugar um, plantations in Cuba. And so like when I think about that and like that fragmentation of the family and like understanding like that we still have all of these similarities and like I've seen pictures of them and we all look alike, <laughs> you know, like it's so just mm-hmm. understanding like mm-hmm. how all of these, how our lives are manifesting in all these different places. And then a lot of our family came and settled in New York or in London and so, or and like other parts of the world really in Ethiopia, like just everywhere but like just learning and understanding why they made those choices, why my great grandmother chose to stay while her siblings went to, you know, went to these other places. And like, it's just really like putting the pieces together helps me to understand more about the larger history as a whole and our relationship to the land, our relationship to those songs and um, how we're processing pain and so like any like healing methods that we might use to get through things and or a song to get through things dance to get through things and how that's kind of carried across generations mm-hmm. I also am really interested in addressing mental health because it's something that's kept very hidden or if you um, bring up any type of anxiety or um, just any mental health issue, like, and it's often seen as a, like a taboo or not. It's like an American problem. It's not, it's not, mm-hmm. that's not <laughs> how we deal with our problems. And mm-hmm. so like, just take the, just, just, you know, just take this fruit and you'll be fine or take this and you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And so just like really unpacking that and understanding that, again, that spectrum of emotion and those lived experiences are very real. And the mental health piece is is a major. And so being able to break the silence around those things through the series is important to me. But I think that unless you know, like unless you've read about the work, you might not know about it. And so like in some ways, there's this like concealing and revealing thing that's happening within the work that is also a big aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So like unpacking shame around guilt, um, around managing pain, pain management, high taught like having a high tolerance for pain and understanding why that is mm-hmm. and like why that's a pattern that comes across so many generations. And and so like I also think about my practice in like in the form of quilting and like creating a cosmology with like these little patches or little vignettes of moments that are happening that all create one whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of echoing through the personal, the familial and the larger historical. Mm-hmm. And listening to you um, speak about, this work, I am thinking about how in one of the interviews that or the talks that you shared with me, you talk about your life, your life's work being rooted in the space of collaborative care, um, which you also touched on just now as you were speaking. And you have a lens of trauma-informed practice. And can you 
talk about how you bring the trauma-informed lens into community and into your relationships? Definitely. Yeah. So I really grew up with my mom and aunt who were twins and they have, their lives are really, were really centered around like ministry and like helping others grow to be their best selves and helping others through like their darkest hours. And, you know, myself and my cousin, who's like my sister, we're the same age. We grew up in the like constantly surrounded by that and just constantly surrounded by like being in spaces where, you know, you're caring for others and like, you know, uh, providing service that, you know, a, a service that is of need. And we also spent a lot of time as children caring for our grandfather when he was um, aging and he was um, experiencing a lot of health issues. And so I think that was like my introduction into that, just, you know, caring for him in those ways and like understanding the work of a caregiver and, and that the work of a caregiver kind of having its own like there's not one way to do it, right? There's so yeah. many caregiver. <laughs> so, so I've yeah. always had the awareness and of that, and also a desire for that to um to be at the forefront of shared space as um like ensuring that that others are cared for. And then there, they were also like abolitionists and like were activists, and so like we always were like learning about you know things that were going on around the world and locally in our cities and injustices that people were facing in terms of racial injustice um, around sexual orientation around housing um, discrimination and we went through our own like issues around like housing um, you know like uh, being displaced and all of those things um, and so just learning from those experiences and then also organizing a lot as a teen around like racial justice really was like the root of that. And then um, when I uh, became a mom or well before that, actually I was in arts education. And so like I was working in arts education and learning about how um, we can utilize the arts as a healing tool. And I I also uh, was doing community murals. Like that was kind of, yeah, like one of my first community practices as a, as a visual artist was being a muralist. And so would collaborate with all these different groups and would create these murals that were collab- very um, much a collective so like an example of this was working um, at a women's recovery clinic in the Bronx. And it was with all of these women who were like my elders <laughs> and mm-hmm. just to be able to go through this transformative experience together where like at first they were all so afraid to even like touch up, you know, any like art materials whatsoever, like any brush wow. pen anything and afraid of their own voices at that mm-hmm. while in recovery 
to then seeing this transformation of them like be, being able to celebrate their voices and their stories and like even the hardships and you know these are women who've gone through so much and and like they were able to be you know to share this experience together mm-hmm. and um it was so moving you know to see and to like be a part of that and so that is kind of where I was introduced into that, that kind of like transformative like how powerful it can be. And so, yeah, so I just started doing a lot more work with um, with groups. I was working with Sadie Nash for a long time and like just working with young women all over the city in New York um, who might have either um, been, sur- who are survivors of domestic violence or like mm-hmm. navigating some really, um, and, and youth who are navigating a lot of really rough circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the society for the most part didn't believe in them. And so they kind of discarded them. But in these art spaces, in these spaces that it could be medicine and we could like go through these this like healing together through our, you know, creativity. Mm-hmm. And everyone has that. Everyone has that right. And to be able to kind of facilitate um those like that tapping in to that um creative source was really, really incredible. And so just all the groups that I've worked with since then have been amazing. And mm-hmm. um and then <laughs> in 2015 I became a mom and so like throughout my pregnancy I learned the harsh realities of medical apartheid that I only really read about before like I had experienced it to some degree growing up as a little black girl in America in New York but I didn't know just like I didn't know just how deep it went mm-hmm. and then, you know these are things that I read about that I protested about but until I went through it myself, I really didn't understand the impact and the magnitude of the importance of why, you know, like this is something to stand up against or stand. Yeah, just, yeah, it was really wild to experience being, you know, an, an eight month pregnant person and like having the midwife say all kinds of like horrific things to you that are like really just so um, inappropriate and just out of line and yeah just saying horrible things and like you know I almost I had a really intense moment where I thought I would lose my life and I thought I wasn't sure if Simone my daughter was gonna make it during my pregnancy because I have a heart condition so yeah I had a high-risk pregnancy and I was working with a medical team that really didn't understand me or my cultural background. And it was really obvious that, you know, it was not a safe place. And Mm -hmm. it had I not had the language Mm -hmm. to be able to navigate that and advocate for myself, I wouldn't have been able to move through that at all. (laughs) And I think just understanding that that's the reality for most people, like regardless of race, like it really is a reality for most and of course it's impacting black women and like mm-hmm. not just women but like birthing people black indigenous people of color like the, there's such a lot high alarming postpartum um, uh, mortality rates between mm-hmm. children and 
um, and those birthing people. And so, yeah, I think when I, yeah, when I was expecting my daughter towards the end of my pregnancy, I actually went to an art exhibition with my mom and this was like a random thing. And like, I, we didn't really do this for a long time, but we went to this art exhibition and it was called God, Funk, Jazz and Medicine. And it was led by Creative Time and it was held in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn. And at this space, they um, they had like a series of outdoor act, uh, outdoor and indoor activations mm-hmm. across Bedsty, where they invited the community to interact with these art installations. And so one of them was in the medicine house. There was a uh, space called Stuyvesant Mansion, and it was a historical space where you know one of the first practice black practices of midwives took place and so in that house they were signing people up like during this um installation they were um inviting folks from the community to like do you know community wellness programs and they had this um the space where you could sign up for health insurance. And at the time I lost my, I had just lost my health insurance. It was really important for me Mm -hmm. to have access to all the information they were providing. And this was a a project by Simone Lee. And so that was also something to note because her work is so pivotal in so many ways. Right. And they also had a place where you could go for like a pap smear and wow, get, um, yeah, a breast exam. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I guess I should do that, you know, with my mom. Mm-hmm. And so we went up and I learned how to give myself a breast exam and I was eight months pregnant. And what happened to be in that space was ancient song doula services where I... Mm met my doula who taught me how to give myself a breast exam after I did after she taught me how to do the breast exam she was asking me about my pregnancy and how everything was and I was being honest with her about how everything was without knowing what she did there and then I asked her like do you know of any doulas because I was looking for one and she said well yes I do (laughs) so got into this whole conversation she changed my life completely like I mean we became like family mm-hmm. and it was instant um an instant bond and then through her I learned or I was trained as a doula myself and she of course helped me to bring Simone Earthside. like she was there with me mm-hmm. every step of the way who would have thought that she would be that this person that I met randomly at this installation mm-hmm. be with me and my family while giving birth. And she really, really did teach me how to advocate for myself in a different way than I ever had before. And I just really understood the importance of doula care for our communities and how much was lacking. And it was really alarming to learn just how much how much misinformation was out there um, for birthing people in general, but particularly for like low income families of color and black mm-hmm. families. And, and so that was really intensive. But then like throughout the trainings and like through throughout our relationship over the years that has grown, I've met so many wonderful folks and been able to build with so many 
incredible leaders and those who are coming in at all different stages. So some of them are like really experts and have been doing this for a long time and for generations and generations while others are just learning. But the space was so inviting for all that learning exchange to happen. And it was really amongst Black and Indigenous women, people of color. And so that also was a bonding that I was longing for. Mm -hmm. And I think I was experiencing with the healing arts process and wellness processes that I was telling you about earlier. Mm -hmm. But this was a different angle. This was through like our physical bodies and like through wellness and through herbalism and learning about how like plants, like certain plants can really assist us with healing. And that like that goes back into that kind of brought me back to my family, which like, which is where I first really learned about herbalism and like working with plants and nature. And so that was great too. Be sure to check out our website, kinderpublic.com, for more information about our guest and the topic, as well as a full transcript of the conversation, which can be found on the podcast page. A captioned episode is available on our YouTube channel, where we are at Kinder Public. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have enjoyed an episode of Towards a Kinder Public, we would love your help in sharing the episode with others. Please also leave us a rating and a review. It helps us make our topics more visible, and we really appreciate your support. I'm Kevin Castle. My guest has been contemporary artist Lena Huey. Join us again next time to hear more of this conversation. Have a very good week.